the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Welcome to Grace for Today. We're in the series, The Great Exchange. You know, many people see the cross as something that's hung on a church wall or maybe a piece of jewelry, but few people really understand the power and uh, what happened at Calvary's cross. So we're in this series trying to uncover, trying to unearth once again the powerful truths that are in Calvary's cross. Let's get right into the Word of God. Proverbs 18 and 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Scripture is saying that our mouths have the power to both bless and to curse. Then it makes an observation. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 18 and 1 in the Message Bible says it this way. He says, words kill and words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. Most of us need not fear any witch. We do a good enough job cursing ourselves. We don't need anyone to give us a hex, nothing. You don't have to worry about any of that hocus pocus. We do a good enough job ourselves. Often the problem in our lives is just a few inches beneath our nose. We're going to develop this a little bit. In a few moments, let me ask you a question. If I walked up to you and I said to you, just half the things you've been saying in your mind about yourself, you'd probably denounce me, renounce me. You'd probably call me an unloving, unkind pastor. What type of bishop are you? Are you hearing what I'm saying? If I would dare say to you half the things you say to yourself, you'd probably want to sock me. You'd probably want to hit me. You certainly would, would run from me and try to get away from me. You see, when someone else does it, it, you know, when when we do it, it doesn't seem as bad. But somehow when someone else does it, we we take issue. But we need to understand that actually we've been bewitched. It's not what other people say about me that's going to cause me harm and hardship. It's mostly what I say about me. The most hindering thing in my life is not you, the devil, or 17,000 minions. It's me. Proverbs says... The tongue, my tongue, has the power of life and death. Luke 6 and 45. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good. You saw good three times, right? Stored up in his heart. Basically, James makes this principle clear a little later in the Bible. But he says, basically, a fresh lake only produces fresh water. If good things in your heart, where are they going to show up? In your mouth. 
And that's just a reality. That's just a truth. If you want to know what's going on inside a person, listen to what they're saying. Not just when they're singing scripted words. But in those quiet moments, what are they saying about themselves to themselves? Even what they're saying about others. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up. This lets us know that good can be stored up in us, but also good can become scarce in us or not stored up in us. And the challenge is when you not spend enough time in the word, there's not enough good stored up. Hence, when people try to get fruit from your, you know, the, the, the fruit of the spirit, it's like, listen, this lemonade stand has run out of lemons. There are no, there's no more fruit left on this tree because there's not been enough stored up. So when people come and they want to pick the goodness of God in your life, instead they get bitterness. Are you hearing me? They get frustration and the rest. And an evil man brings evil out of the evil. You see evil three times, right? Three is, 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 a, is, is a perfect number there. And, and he's, he's, he's making a point. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. So a salty lake can only produce salty what? Water. So stop blaming, blaming the cup. For what's coming into your life or what the things that, that, that are being said or the things that are, are being spoken in your life. The issue is where you're getting the water. The problem is not what I'm saying. The problem is my heart. Do you understand? He says here, for the mouth speaks what the heart is what? Your mouth only says what the heart is full of. So, listen, the issue is not just with your tongue. The reason you have a foul tongue is because you have an unregenerated heart. You have a heart that's not been renewed. You haven't had a heart change. The, 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 the way we read our heart is by the things we say. Are you still with me? Matthew 12 and 36. You can tell what people are full of by their conversations. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that what? Empty word. Barren, empty. Barren heart, barren tongue. I want you to notice what this text says. Really look at this thing closely. He says, we will give an account for every empty word they what? We will not only give account for the words we mean. We're going to give an account for the fact our words had no weight. We face opposition and challenge. Crisis in our way. People dealing with severe stuff. And they come to the house of God and they get lightweight, little fluffy, you know, ear tingly messages. Instead of things with substance and that of stuff that can change your life. I'm not standing here to be eloquent today. I feel a little lightheaded. You hear it in my voice. I don't feel so good today. I came here because I have something to say and a difference to make. He said, we're going to give an account for every empty word. The challenge is many of us only have empty words for the challenges in our way. We're going to discover in the life of Jesus, it wasn't that way. It was not one vain word that ever came out of his mouth. Everything he said happened. He didn't say, listen, that you're going to be be, be judged because you said the wrong thing. That's not what this text says. He said, you're going to be judged because your words had no weight. God could not invest his power into the things you said. God's power is released through his word. And we have lightweight words, lightweight messages for heavyweight problems. And in this hour, God wants to raise up a people that are not empty and not devoid of power in the midst of some tough and difficult circumstances. Listen to me, I'm going to say again. He said, everyone, 
tell you everyone, will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty. How full are your words? And if they're full, what are they full of? Because there's coming a day where we're going to give an answer for the use of this instrument that housed the power to encourage, to heal, to bless, but as we've been discovering in this series, also to curse. How do you use this thing? When you talk, is it just vain speech? Or when you say something, does it happen? Is your word your bond? We will have to answer. What makes us in God's image? When God introduced himself to creation, how did Moses explain it? And God said, let there be light. And then God said again, and he said again, and then he said again. For seven days, God spoke. And then he said he made man in his image. And what did man do? Speak. We will give an account for the image of God. Whether your words were full of the image of God or the image of the devil. The image of faith. The image of trust. The image of unbelief. The image of darkness. Let's go to Matthew 21 and 18. Watch the weight of Jesus' words. They surprised his disciples. You're going to find, say, Lord, I just thought you were talking. I thought you were just, you know, making conversation. But watch this. Listen, when I go into a sick room, they don't need lightweight words. When someone's dying, they don't need lightweight words. When a son's just been incarcerated, people don't need lightweight words. They don't need religious cliches. People need something with substance, something with weight, something they can hold on to. Don't settle for cliches when God has called you to his eternal word. Are you hearing me? Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, this was the beginning of Passover week. We know when Passover occurs. and It was in the month of April. The Bible said Jesus was hungry. He needed to refuel his body. He submitted to the cycle of nature. God became man. And in order for this this temple to to, to exert energy and do the things God's assigned it to do, I have to receive. I have to receive fuel in order to get it done. And Jesus submitted to this. Now, sometimes, you know, God did miracles with him and uh, he didn't need to eat for the space of 40 days and 40 nights. But generally, he submitted to this process. So he became Hungry. The Bible says he had a need. You see that? You know, Scripture says some folk are going to come to him in the last day. And God's going to, going to say some, some, some good things. Hey, when, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I, when I was in prison, you visited me. And he went on, he said some things. And then, then the people that he spoke said, Lord, when did we do this to you? And his response was, he was done it to the least of these has done it to me. Why does it record that Jesus got hungry? So that we could recognize as he's going on the glory that there's still people on this planet, are you hearing me, that are part of his body, that have needs. The challenge is people come to the church and instead of experiencing the relief and the refreshing, they experience what Jesus experienced When I say the church, I'm not talking about the house. I'm talking about the people. It's easy to blame a preacher in a choir. It's another thing to look in the mirror and say, I am the man. We are the ecclesia of God. The world will not know unless we tell them. This generation's up to us. 
Man, we, we spend so much time talking about politics. And God said, dear God, if you only knew the power in prayer. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry, seeing a fig tree by the road. Now, March through April, a fig tree had a bitter bud. And people that were hungry were hungry would eat this bug, bud. They didn't really, it wasn't really pleasant tasting, but it was edible. And for the poor, this was something that uh, they frequently ate during this particular season. So Jesus saw the leaves, although it wasn't, this was first harvest, if you will. This was like the first fruits of the fig tree, where you have this little kind of bud. And then when the leaves come, then the, when the leaves fall off, that's when you have the full fig harvest. So Jesus was expecting a snack. And, and this speaks here of the Jewish nation. And, and every commentator will reflect upon this. That Jesus was expecting some first fruit. Even though it wasn't the sweetest of fruit. He was still wanting to receive a first fruit from the nation of Israel. But instead they said crucify him. Are you hearing me? The nation in general rejected him. There were some exceptions. But he went to the tree, he saw the leaves, he saw the scrolls in the synagogue, he heard the names of the prophets on the people's lips. They had church ease, they knew how to quote the scriptures. Let's take a look. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he walks up to it. I think Jesus knew instinctively, he only did what the father showed him or told him. And I believe out of all the fig trees, I would say go up to that one because I want to illustrate something. He went up to it expecting refreshment. Christ came to his own expecting them to receive him. But instead, no response. But he found nothing on it except leaves. Advertisement, but no substance. Pageantry, but no power. Religiosity, but no results. This tree is waving its leaves saying listen i have the first bud if you're hungry it had a door you know all welcome it had a sign on the road said grace church this church whatever church and if someone hungry came in looking for manna from heaven but all they found was an advertisement all they found was a form of godliness but no power All they found was was people singing songs, but no song in people's hearts. But found nothing on it except a form and leaves. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit. How does Jesus deal with false advertising? How does Jesus deal with the bumper sticker, the T-shirt? Praise the Lord when you answer Maybe because I'm not feeling well, I'm just being too frank. <laughs> what does the Lord do when you memorize half the Bible, but you can't love the person just sitting right next to you? On, What's the Lord's response? May you never bear fruit again. He made, I'll say that in a moment. Go to Mark eleven twenty, and then we'll go back, I think, to Matthew. In the morning... As they went along, this is the same narrative, but shared by Mark. They saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Now, in in Matthew, 
They, they saw an immediate response. They saw that the tree immediately began to wither. You see, Jesus didn't speak empty words. There was power in everything he said. But the next day, they, they obviously saw the tree coming out of the ground with its roots exposed. So they, 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 they was, uh, the next day, they saw a little bit more. Not only was, was, was there some, some, you know, the, the leaves turning brown, but this thing was, was destroyed from its very base. He says this. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you what? How does Peter describe what Jesus did? He called it a, did Jesus curse? Absolutely. What is a curse? A curse is when you make a temporary problem permanent. Suicide is a permanent answer to a temporary problem. A curse is whenever you get frozen in your situation. I want you to notice Jesus did not make the tree unfruitful. So you cannot blame Jesus for cursing the tree. It was because the tree was unfruitful that Jesus had the license to say to it what he said. Ecclesiastes 11.3. We're in the word. Let's go deeper. Again, Jesus did not make the tree fruitless, but the curse was when it permanently remained in that state. 11 and 3. Whether a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Listen to me, saints. When I step out of this body, when you step out of this body, Listen to me. God's not making anyone go to hell. God's not making anyone go to heaven. Death simply makes your state in this life permanent. Whatever you are at the point of death, you remain. You see, God is eternal. And when you step out into eternity, there's no more room for change. It is whatever it is. That's why it's called eternal life and eternal punishment or eternal death. When you start dealing with eternity, you're not dealing with changing matters. Because we're part of this creation and everything must change under the sun. We take that lens and we apply it to eternity. But no, it's impossible for anything to change in eternity. Only thing that happens in eternity, we, 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 things are revealed more and become truer maybe in, in our understanding of them to, to, to what they ever were before. But, but nothing changes. We live this life of change to step into changelessness. A curse is when something temporary becomes permanent. If we die in our sins, our sinfulness becomes permanent, cannot be revoked, cannot be changed. So as long as it's called day, as long as that sun continues to rise and set, now is the time of salvation. Now is the day. And if you're ever going to change, if you're ever going to turn, This is the hour. He says, whether the tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where it falls, there it it will lie. Just like hell is us being stuck in our sinfulness. Heaven is a blessing because we're stuck in our righteousness. You know, in this life, the vicissitudes up and down, up and down. When you step in eternity, no up and down. It's ever expanding but not changing. It's, 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 what words do you put on this thing? 
It's a blessedness that that doesn't increase, cannot be enlarged or improved upon. It's absolutely permanent and fixed. How you step out of this body is one of the most important decisions or things you ever do. In your how you live will determine how you die. How you handle this side will forever impact the other side. Back to Matthew 21 and verse 20. Life's too short to play games. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. Saying, Jesus, you're not just like us. You know, we tell a little joke and, and you know, we say it's harmless. Lord, even your little sayings have impact. Scripture says how a curse causeless will not rest. We, we, don't, we don't have to fear God cursing us. That's not, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to put that fear in you. Because if we put our faith in, faith in there's no, no worry about curses and, and, and the rest. But he said, how, how did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Then Jesus explained something to them. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith and do not what? Please read this statement carefully. Because it is an important key. The issue is not that we don't have enough faith. The issue often is our doubt. Did you catch that? Truly, if you have faith and do not what? Every time I try to believe God for something, I don't pray for faith. I say, Lord, help me with these doubts. And as God begins to work out every doubt, and he begins to remove these doubts. Then I come to a place of finding results. He said, I tell you, if you have faith and know what doubt, God wants to bring us to the place of doubtlessness. Do you hear me? See, you, you missed that because what I just said was worth a million dollars. Don't ask God for more faith. He's given every man the measure of faith. Ask God to help you overcome your doubts. And as you help, as, as he does it, then your faith begins to bear the fruit. So if you have faith like a mustard seed, you got what it takes. Just let it grow. But the issue is the weeds of doubt, the rocks and thorns of, of unbelief that entangle us and take the energy that should be faith. Please watch carefully. Listen carefully. I tell you the truth. If you have no, if you, if you have faith and do not doubt, Not only can you do. Did you see can you do? Watch this. Jesus does not lie. He said, guys, you can do what I did. He's teaching them how to curse. Mark said he cursed the tree. See, Satan's taught you how to curse. Now we need to let God teach you how to curse. Amen. Do it the right way. Not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, you can Do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this what? What is he saying to the disciples? He's saying, I've given you power over every fruitless thing in your life. I've given you the authority to curse it, to uproot it, to turn from it, and to get it out of the way. Every fruitless deed, every fruitless work or belief. Don't you sell it for me. I can't help myself. The devil's a liar. You are too. He's given us power over every fruitless thing in our lives. The thing is, we love our sin too much. We ain't cursing no fig tree. That's my favorite tree. That's my favorite sin. That's my favorite thing. I'm not going to speak ill of it. 
And God say, no, you need to, to love me, but you also need to hate evil. And a lot of folk, it's not, it's not so much that you don't love them enough. It's just you don't hate some things enough. Now, I keep saying that, don't I? Why sometimes you have to learn to curse like Jesus curses. Jesus never curses a good thing. He'll never curse a righteous thing. But he will curse wicked. So what is this? You know, you trying to be so politically correct. Woe to the person who calls sin evil and evil's good. Woe to the nation. Woe to the church. I didn't come here for all this. You needed to come here this morning. The reason you're not free. And please, if it's, if it's not for you, let it go over your head to the person next to you. It's fine. But the reason you're not free is because you don't hate it. Jesus hates hypocrisy and mockery. He hates the fruitlessness of false religion. He hates religiosity. You come with your long robes and tassels. He spoke to the Pharisees and your white walled tombs. Hates it. Because he loves something. Jesus loved the father. So he turned over tables. What tables are left unturned in your life? What things will you not deal with? So Lucifer's sitting there selling wares and, and just, you know, in the church of God, he has a place in a license all because we said love, love, love. And ain't nobody hate nothing. It's not enough to love God. He must hate. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Breer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.